Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Cribs of the Corn Podcast. I am the great and powerful Mystery. And I am the tinfoil hat Conspiracy Jay. And together we are joined by an amazing guest. Jay, please introduce our guest. We are joined tonight, or today, whenever you're listening to this, <laughs> by uh, Lyle Blackburn, musician, actor, and author. Say hello, Lyle. Hello. I'm assuming everybody at home, if you're listening to us, you most definitely know who Lyle is. Uh I know I grew up watching, like, seeing you on TV and stuff like that. It was so cool to, like, actually get to meet you in person and stuff. Uh, it, just, it was just fun. You know, it was a, a cool experience for me because you kind of helped us get started into this stuff. Well, cool. That, that's an honor. And, yeah, it's, it's cool to uh, see you guys in, in the real world out there. It seems like we've had a couple of events together uh, mm-hmm. recently. And those were super fun. And uh, cool to catch up with you guys again in this virtual way. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you have a you, your new book just came out. So you know, I, if you want to start talking about that, I don't think I have that one yet. Right, I did not have the book last time I saw you when we were in the great state of Virginia. So the new book is Texas Bigfoot, and this book covers my home state, the Lone Star State, and covers the history of Bigfoot creatures sighted in the area. Um, And that includes the entire state, which is pretty interesting because, you know, a lot of people's impression of Texas is that it's sort of a cowboy landscape, you know, out of a John Wayne movie. And certainly, you know, in many parts, the central parts especially, it's a little more wide open, ranches and, um, you know, the skeet tree thickets and things like that. But, but in reality, Texas has a lot of uh, wooded areas and it's very heavily thicketed in the Eastern portion, which is known as the piney woods. And that of course, uh, you know, ends up uh, going into Louisiana, the Bayou state. So there's even swampy areas in Texas and in the, the uh, Southeast region is sort of a, the coastal um, areas, and then even way out in the western part, and even up in what they call the Panhandle, which is, uh, you know, the west is sort of more of an arid desert, um, definitely not what you would think is Bigfoot territory, but there's been some really interesting sightings over the years, and in some cases, uh, newspaper coverage where there'd be a flap of sightings and you know, kids would try to shoot at it and all this crazy stuff. And, you know, those are fun ones to kind of incorporate into the book, along with, you know, first-person interviews I've done with people and and some that my colleagues investigated that I thought, you know, really stood out and represented each area as far as the best of what Texas has had to offer in Bigfoot sightings, which ranks way, way up there in among the states in numbers of sightings. Hmm. That's awesome. I can't, I will be buying it next time we see you. I know you will, mm-hmm. for sure. Do, is there, like, different with those different uh, areas of Texas? Because Texas is huge, and like you just said, there's different uh, environments in the state itself. Does that Are there different types of, like, Bigfoot seen in those different areas? Well, you know, in general, the descriptions sort of uh, are very similar. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. where you are. Um You know, it's just sort of a ubiquitous six to eight foot tall creature covered in hair. 
you know, and the differences can be, you know, the hair color can be, you know, black to, Mm -hmm. you know, to brown to reddish or whatever. Um, But, you know, there are some distinctive ones. The Lake Worth Monster case out of 1969, which is kind of a famous one. There was a book written about it back in 1969, and that was seemingly kind of a white-haired Bigfoot. And so that kind of stood out just because it's covered in white hair. And then there is a case um, from the very far western portion, right near El Paso, in a place called Horizon City, where they have the so-called Horizon City monster. And that's a Bigfoot-like creature, but it was almost described more like a Neanderthal or uh, you know, even caveman or something of that nature. And it, it um, was a little more bizarre and, and I guess rightly so, because we're in a place that is very, not very many trees and a lot of desert areas with some mountains and I'm certain, you know, certainly remote areas, but, um, but other than that, you know, you get out in the Eastern portion where the majority of the sightings are, and we're just talking Southern Bigfoot, just mm-hmm. your hairy, scary, creepy, you know, ominous Bigfoot that you may see for a moment or it may try to get in your house. Are, are they, are there any like number of aggressive encounters in Texas? I don't know a lot about Texas. I know in Ohio, we pretty much only have one area that has really any aggressive encounters. You know, it's kind of like other states uh, where, you know, you, you know, typical sightings, you know, road crossings or a hunter gets a glimpse or a, an old, an old lady that doesn't even know what Bigfoot is and it freaks her out. Um, but yeah, there's a number of those that are uh, just, you know, exceptional where the creatures either are aggressive towards a person or even a long-term sort of a a situation where they end up trying to scratch at the windows or get in the house or, you know, steal uh, food from sheds. And uh, there's even a one that I cover in the book, which is almost the scariest one where a woman was out by this lake in sort of Northeast Texas. And uh, she had, they had a flat tire and her husband had to, had to literally walk back to town at that time. They didn't have a cell phone to get a wrecker. And she's just relaxing and sitting there in the truck. And all of a sudden these uh, three figures emerged from the woods and let out a howl. And the next thing you know, one of those was trying to reach in the window and just pull her out of the cab of the truck. And uh, she, you know, she's fighting with this thing and uh, just a really scary scenario, but those are kind of the exception, but they really do stand out. Uh, Yeah, that would stand (laughs) out to me. Oh, that's horrible. That poor woman. Yeah, they're lucky they didn't get shot being in Texas. Uh, we had one in Ohio that's, uh, I don't, you've probably heard this story, but I don't know if anybody at home has heard it, with the older couple that thought they had a group of teens. So they lived out of Cincinnati, outside in the rural area. They thought they had a group of runaway teens living on the back end of their property. So they would buy like pizzas and stuff like that and leave them out there by one of the barns, These what they thought were teenagers were living in. And they did this for years, and they just thought they were feeding these teens an older, rich couple. And then they went away on vacation, the first vacation they took in like two and a half years, and they just destroyed everything. And there was big, they, you know, classic Bigfoot footprints everywhere, giant muddy handprints like eight foot on the house. And I can't remember which researcher it was that came out and was like, well, you know, you stop feeding them. And they did not enjoy that. They'd been getting pizza every day for, you know, two years. <laughs> Uh, that was would be the horrifying encounters. Or, yeah, spoiled them. Right. It sounds a little similar to one in southeast Oklahoma, where the guys were storing venison in a shed, and they, you know, the, you know, more and more sightings of a bigfoot-like creature out there, and then they were breaking in the shed, and then they were trying to get in the house, I guess, trying to find more food. So, eventually, the the wildlife conservation and game warden were called out there and they were just like, well, of course they just said, well, it's probably bears. They didn't believe it was Bigfoot, but these guys, brothers had both had really good sightings. So they're like, well, they're not bears, but you know, the, the game warden said, well, just, you, you can't store food out here in the shed anymore. You've got to get rid of the food. And, uh, you know, that, that ended up, you know, uh, eliminating the problem. But, uh, Pizzas is a whole different thing. <laughs> I, I, you know, that's, 
<laughs> it made me laugh every time I've I've heard it. I got it. It's in one of our books. I just can't remember which one. But yeah, I can definitely see a couple of Bigfoot getting very spoiled. And they were buying pizzas like every day for these things. Because there's oh, a God. famous pizza chain down there that they would pass when they would come home from where they would go. You know, they I, it was just local old people. Ohio old people are like that. I just imagine, though, like three Bigfoot sitting around a stump, popping open that box each night, <laughs> enjoying pizza. a pizza. Yeah. That'd be the best life as a Sasquatch. <laughs> I'd be pissed too. <laughs> they stopped serving pizza. Oh gosh! And then you have a plethora of other books. You have a, a really good one. Of my, my, I think my favorite one is Sinister Swamps. Uh, yeah, that's actually the favorite one I've written. Just I don't know because there's a variety. You know, it's more geographically based. Where here's the swamp. Here's whatever weird stuff. Whatever creatures. Whatever scary stuff has been reported or uh, talked to people about. So it, it gave me that opportunity to cover more ground. And also when you're writing about a swamp, I mean, it's a great, it, that's the background of the spooky environment really, you know, it's great as a writer, you know. Yeah, I I love swamps too. I just, I, well, you know, I was a fishery biologist, so swamps can have a very amazing diverse, you know, diversity of fish. But I used to go down to your, well, not your area, but Texarkana quite often to Mill Lake, Folk, Ark, you know, we'd, we'd go and hang out and we'd fish down there uh, in Mill Lake for alligator gar. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, being in some of those swamps and the sloughs and the bayous, you could really be, I don't get why people don't realize how easily something large could be hiding back there. And it does definitely give you the feeling like, this is a creepy place, being in the cypress forest. Absolutely. And that, that's the thing, you know, skeptics, uh, you know, where could these things even hide? You know, we, we've done, we've been everywhere. We, everything's developed, you know, dude, you, you know what I'm saying? You can be dropped off in those sulfur river bottoms down mm-hmm. there by Falk. And I'm like, okay, first, you know, you can't see, you know, 20 yards to either any direction in in the thickest part of it. There could be literally anything out there, and there is. You just can't see it. You know, there's thousands of hogs, and there's deer and cougars, you know. Mm. Uh, I've been down there just so many times over the decades. I've never, you know, the cougar has never popped out. You know, I've seen other various wildlife, but they're there. And and that just goes to show you, not to mention if you drop somebody in there, just say, you know, all right, find your, you know, with no phone or GPS, find your way out. And you tell me there's no uh, remote areas, you know. And it's the, they're working on, I don't know if you heard this yet or not, but they think they've rediscovered the ivory bill woodpecker there on the Louisiana-Arkansas border. Uh, quite a large bird that was declared extinct. We did a little episode on it. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Declared extinct in like the 80s, uh, the 70s. Yeah, somewhere around there, I think. And they've, they think they found a new population of them that just has gone unnoticed. And they're, you know, they're, they're hawk size. They're not small birds, and they're bright red heads. And so you'd think, you know, that's an animal that sticks out like a sore thumb in an area where people claim that like, there's thousands of fishermen go through that area, haven't seen them for decades, and then they just pop back up. And like you said, with mountain lions, cougars, yeah. panthers, they can, they can hide right beside you. You'd never know it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I did some training with uh, some military guys once on like evade and survive sort of uh, survival training, and and that that opened my eyes a lot about um, how something like that could literally, yeah, just be standing right beside you. And you know, if these guys were looking for us and we're trying to escape and get to a you know to this you know target area where you're supposed to get. And, you know, you, they'd be looking and your instinct was to move like, you know, okay, I got to hide, jump behind this bush. But as soon as you move, that's what caught their eye. And you had to remember, even if you're somewhat in the open, if you just stood still, dead still and sort of broke up your form, they may look and just not see you because they don't catch that movement. And I was thinking, you know, that that really is indicative of something that, like a Bigfoot, where if it just stood still and it's basically its its hair color and like other animals is designed uh, to have the shading to make them blend in. If they just stood there 
in these, you know, areas where there's a lot of shadows and trees and tree trunks and uh, brambles and bushes, you would just, your eye would just go right across it. And unless they just moved or popped out in the open, you just wouldn't see it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, I really think people don't realize that kind of stuff with the, even them being eight foot tall, they can still hide like that. I've walked up in the UP of Michigan, I've walked up on elk and I didn't know mm-hmm. the elk was there and he didn't know I was there. Yeah, where you know, and it's a nine hundred pound deer. Yeah, yeah. It's so uh, it's a small cow standing, you know, twenty feet from me, and I had no idea it was there until we walked around and we're looking at each other. Yeah, so let alone a Bigfoot, you know, something maybe a little more, I believe, more intelligent. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, way more than a deer or an elk. They, I, elk scare me so bad because they're dumb. They're panicky animals. <laughs> Uh, right, I almost almost hit some once in New Mexico in the mountains. Like they just come out come out of a, a gully and just right into the road. And I mean, I wasn't driving very fast, maybe maybe twenty five, thirty miles an hour, and boom, just these things just come out of nowhere and just uh, ran right across the road in front of the car. And yeah, they're huge, and and you know, and there's a lot more of them. So that's so if you take, you know, if you just picture Bigfoot as being what it would have to be a very small populations um, or solitary uh, individuals roaming around it's just even harder to see because mm-hmm. they're just so few and so far between we were talking about that earlier with like deer hunters talking about you know they tell us oh, yeah. locally that we know you know Bigfoot can't be real I'm out there all the time I'm hunting all the time every year I've never seen one they can't be real and we were just saying, like, you literally sit out in the woods waiting for overpopulated packs of deer to roam through so you can shoot one, and you don't even see them every time you're out. You just have to get lucky and hope they're coming through that area that, at that particular time. And sometimes you're out there all day long. Yeah, exactly. And and a lot of times, if you know, down here, there's corn feeders, and you're baiting them, and you're mm-hmm. pulling them. Even sometimes that isn't successful. So, you're you know, you're pulling these things in. Uh, but if you're just out there sitting around waiting, right, you may not even see them. And there's far more of those <laughs> right. than there would be Bigfoot. And that's an understatement, yeah. I had a buddy that did big cat research. Yeah, he's a biologist. And they had a, a cat with a collar on it, a tracking collar. And they couldn't find that cat. They literally had yeah. a, a cat with a pinging collar. And they could not find that animal. So, and that's, you know, I just... I, I don't think I really don't think that's the I think that's the big problem with people that they don't realize how much documented animals can really avoid you if they want to avoid you. Mm. We're big, loud, slow animals in the woods. We stink. We smell plastic and all this stuff. We're not that yeah. hard to tell we're coming in the woods. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you've probably seen animals like you come up on hogs where they don't visually see you. But if you're slightly downwind or whatever, you'll see them just, you know, even deer raise up because they've smelled you mm-hmm. and cinched you before you ever get close. And boom, they'll just turn and run. So changing gears a little bit, I I want I love asking people knowledgeable like yourself, what are some of the more stranger cryptids that you've heard of or you've ran into re- and with researching and stuff like that? Because there's some oddballs out there right i mean yeah you know every so many reports that you get you'll get one that's just i don't know what the heck i saw you you know but here's what it was and you know some of the weirder ones have been um well you know i've researched into kind of the lizard man aspect and uh you know, those, there's some documented cases of so-called reptilian humanoid lizard men, sort of often swamp dwelling, um, which are more humanoid. But on, on a few occasions, I got a report from a guy here in Texas who he and his fishing buddy were out on the Brazos River and they said they hear splashing in the, in the water. Sounds like a person kind of wading up. And all of a sudden this, this thing you know, uh, comes into view and it was kind of dusky at the time. And he said it looked basically like an, uh, a bipedal alligator, more, more so of an animal than, you know, what lizard men traditionally are reported. 
which I thought was kind of creepy and falls right between what the heck is it, you know. Um, those are pretty creepy. And then I've had some reports of what I would call pig men, I guess. Mm. Uh, <laughs> those are pretty wild. I had one in uh, southwest Arkansas, not too far from Falk, you know, maybe uh, 50 miles. And somebody said they had seen what they believed was sort of an upright bipedal thing, sort of a humanoid shape, but uh, its head looked like a pig. Hmm. And uh, that's kind of not the first time I've heard of that. In Georgia, there's some sort of more vague, like, I'd say more legends and, and as opposed to reports, but but basically of a pig man, kind of a cryptid, I guess. Um, let's see, the uh, up in Rhode Island, Massachusetts, I've gotten reports of s- small uh, creatures, almost like, I don't want to say gnomes, that sounds almost like silly, but creepy uh, short creatures that could be anywhere from you know, three, two, three feet, four feet tall. Um, and get that gets in the area of the legends of Puckwudgies, yeah. if you've heard that. Yep. Hockamock Swamp. Um, but I've had some people, you know, firsthand guys tell me that one sort of chased him sort of up on a cliff ledge and, and the thing eventually ran off. But I don't even know what, to, you know, you don't even know what to classify that right. as, whether cryptid or an alien or or just what it's almost like a a na- almost more like a native american type um creature or something because they had a lot of tails and there's really what what um what we refer to as puck wedgies kind of mm-hmm. originated in native, native american tales but uh that one and then uh you know I had I had a report of a flying humanoid that came from the sky and and just flew right into a a pond stayed there for about four minutes and then blasted out of there straight up into the air. Wow. <laughs> like, huh. uh, like Aquaman meets uh, Mothman. Yeah. yeah. That one's um, interesting. That was weird. I just, you know, and it was, it was, I can't remember what state it was too far away. I just couldn't, you know, I yeah. couldn't go there and, mm-hmm. and investigate that personally. Um, you know, so I just take the guy at his word, but that was an odd one. And then, uh, you know, um, there was a few that were almost like one that stands out. I got from New York that the guy said it was sort of a shimmering looking thing. Not, not even like, not a lot, even like the shape of a Bigfoot, but just sort of a shape that he could see move across the hiking trail. And it was almost like, if you've seen the original predator movie or any of those predator Mm -hmm. movies, when he does the, you know, he has that power to cloak, basically. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, there's theories about Bigfoot cloaking or whatever. But this wasn't even a Bigfoot. It was just some weird shape that just moved right across the trail. <laughs> and, of course, you know, there's no frame of reference or what the hell this is. And and that dude said it was pretty scary and, and just trying to uh, fathom what it was. And, of course, they just hightailed it out of the area. <laughs> As I probably would too. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, we had a, a guest on uh, a couple months ago, uh, LaShawn. Okay, yeah. Uh, he had an, uh, a very predator esque creature, not a Bigfoot. I guess it more was kind of basically more like a cow uh, with the mm. shape and the feel of it as it ran It ran in between him and his buddy. And it, it really, to him, really felt like a cow was running past him. And they could hear it, and they could hear it like breathing and moving. And they just they couldn't really see it. It was it was a very weird encounter they had, and they got the heck out of there too. Yeah, I think the bipedal alligator would be. Yeah, that one's pretty neat. That'd be the scariest one. Others, we did a story yeah. of the pig people of Florida, or uh, what is that? Oakland or Ocala? It was Ocala. Mm-hmm. Ocala, Florida has pigman legends, but a bipedal alligator. I don't. I don't think we've heard that before. No, I mean. I, I don't think I like it. <laughs> right. No, that, and you're right. That, that was one of the creepiest ones. And I talked to that guy on the phone and, and he, he told me that, uh, his, uh, basically his father had seen something similar to that, but that he didn't really put any stock in that. 
uh, prior. And just, I don't know, just that bipedal alligator. And it wasn't just him. It was another witness. I didn't talk to the other guy. I mean, was, and this was years ago when it happened. But, um, man, he was 100% credible. Just a like a fisherman, Texas guy. Just, I mean... Um, and I talked about that on on my podcast where I was kind of looking into strange creatures in that Texas area and just sort of a a bit of a add, added to this other story. But, uh, yeah, it's, that's scary. And I've been on the Brazos River. I've canoed down the Brazos River. And I was thinking, dude, <laughs> I wish, but maybe I don't wish I saw that. Right, yeah. That sounds like the dog man for me. Like, that's one I never want to, I never want to see. I'm fine. Uh, but a bipedal alligator is probably up there too. I, I'm fine. I don't need to see a bipedal alligator. A mothman, sure, but a, yeah, that's like skinwalkery, kind you know, of. Yeah, this human animal, mm-hmm. but definitely, you know, like you're saying, it's de- not like the like the skateboard swamp, like the lizard mans and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I don't know. Right, that creeps me out. Yeah, I know. I can't really like, wrap my mind around it. I wonder if it is like something not from here or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, well, that's our little saying is. For like interdimensional creatures or whatever, we call them not from here because we don't know where they're from, but they're not so from right. here. Just don't seem to fit here. Right, it just yeah, and you're in the especially these sort of strange and more rare and uh, reports like that. It just uh, yeah, you just can't rationalize it. It's mm-hmm. doesn't fit real like biology. It doesn't make any sense. It's creepy, scary, and. And very few, you know, I mean, if you, you know, as you go on, I may get other reports. And there was one similar one. And I, I think, I, yeah, I do mention this in Sinister Swamps in uh, in the chapter on Florida where Linda Godfrey had somebody report something fairly similar. And that was one of the only other times I've I've heard the, the, the sort of bipedal alligator as opposed to the lizard man which i've got plenty of those reports yeah. but mm-hmm. yeah this is more animal like i think another kind of big question so we i had some listeners kind of s- submit some questions to ask you while you were on here but uh what are some of the cryptids you think may be proven to exist you know relatively soon and that could be you know next 20 to 30 years do you think there's any cryptids that are have a really good chance of being proven to exist, I guess, is the question. Right. Well, certainly I think Bigfoot is at the top of the list. I mean, the, you just can't dismiss the sightings, um, you know, as, as all hallucination, hoax, or wishful thinking. And there's some pretty compelling evidence as far as footprints and all that sort of stuff. So I, I almost, you know... It's almost like every every day that comes, you're like any day now, boom, something is is going to come forward. So I think Bigfoot certainly, if if anything, it's that. Um, you know, the whole question of chupacabra. There's various descriptions of that, or what the media classifies, and and certainly the sort of bipedal canid. I mean, uh, sorry, the quadruped canid as opposed to the bipedal thing that was reported in Latin America. The, 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 the more canid one here, like even in Texas, I think while it's not a monster, it may not turn out to be like, you know, what we envision, but even if it's a hybrid or, or we can just narrow down just what those things are, because they're not quite coyote, they're not quite wolf, there's, they're distinctive um, parts of the anatomy. You know, we could get an answer for that that's, you know, like I said, a little more mundane, but hey, if it's, you know, again, a cryptid is just something that's fairly unknown, and that could even be a hybrid or some new species or a offshoot of something. Um, some of the lake monster, you know, champ and some of those, I think, have some very credible uh, basis to them. So, uh, you know, I would think it's possible that some of the lake monsters could be reported. And, and then some of them, you know, are just kind of derivative, you know, Oh, we saw something over here. Well, you know, we have Tahoe Tessie and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, we got a Nessie type thing. So some of those I don't find to be completely, you know, credible. Um, what else? You know, some of the, 
you know, some of the Thunderbirds, you know, whether that just turns out to be an exceptionally large species of bird that we quite didn't quite know was out there, that's possible. Um, and then, you know, as far as goat man, lizard man, huge dinosaurs for that, man, it's just anybody's guess. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, but if anybody proves the goat man, I'll be, I won't go out in the woods anymore. <laughs> uh, but no, the uh, now I forgot what I was going to say. I'm a really good professional podcaster. Right, I know, right? Um, no, it's the, like Tahoe, Tassie, all of them. You know, there's so many. Every lake has a monster. Mm-hmm. And but there's actually, like you're saying, there's actual evidence for a couple. Like uh, like, like Champ, Champ, yeah. Champ has so much mm-hmm. actual evidence. But every mm-hmm. lake in Michigan, and we go up in Michigan all the time. There's ten thousand right. lakes in the UP, and every one of them has a lake monster. Yeah. It's like no, I. It, if, if everyone of these had a lake monster, we'd have one in an aquarium somewhere. It, right. It's just too, there's too many. It gets to be the point beyond uh, probabilities that, yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, yeah, I think Ogopogo is one that has a pretty good basis, you know, and I even know somebody who had a sighting. Um, but yeah, then it just becomes sort of fashionable. All of them have, oh, we, there's all these lake monsters and, Again, it's sort of like to me, like Bigfoot. Not everybody who thinks they saw a Bigfoot saw a Bigfoot because if you look at the numbers of reports and they're running through state parks and stuff, if that was really the case and they're just totally running amok, then by probability, one would have been hit by a car. There's, it just ramps it up. Mm-hmm. But in, I think all of these, um, you know, there's a portion of these sightings that are in the catalog that are super solid. And those people saw, probably saw some unknown creature, uh, but it only takes one person. If one person saw it, then it's as real as a, th- a thousand people. It's just that they're very rare and it's fun to see one and fun to have one in every lake, but that's really <laughs> not the reality. Yeah, I, I'm right. I, I'm right there with you. It's just, we work, we do a lot of lake monster stuff and there's just, I'm trying to remember the pig eel of Kentucky, like there's some really weird ones. Yeah, you brought up a lot of strange ones. There's, it's because there's so many. Because every mm-hmm. lake has one. Uh, our lake by well, a lake I go fishing a lot is Torch Lake in Michigan. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's the third clearest lake in the world. It freaks people out because you, you're seeing fish that are 60 and 70 feet below you just swimming. Uh, mm-hmm. But it has a giant musky population, and it also has giant musky. And when they breed in the early spring. They kind of form a conga line, so you have four and five foot long fish, and maybe five or six of them in this line. And every year, people are like, "Oh, you know, taking videos and recordings of these lake serpents." And it's a whole bunch of musky just following each other. Hmm. Uh, that's one of like people don't realize because the water's clear enough where you can see there's something there. You just can't mm-hmm. see this like okay, body start, body stop, body start, body right. stop. But yeah, that's a pretty interesting one. I'd like to see that someday. Oh, I, me and Emily, uh, yeah, we're videotaping it on our honeymoon. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, you have to show me that. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, Jay has a hot sauce review. Oh, that's right. So we were down in Tennessee, what was that, about a month ago now? Yes. And we stopped at Legends and Lore Pizza. We were showing well, that place. Tony. Tony Merkel. Tony Merkel took us out for pizza. Yes. Yeah, I know you know Tony. Yeah. Uh, he took us out for pizza at Legends and Lore. And then that's where I first seen your hot sauce there. I'm like, oh, I need to try this. You know, I'm not a big hot sauce eater. Loved it. It was really good. So I just right on. So put that did out you try there. The, the rogue red chili, the red one? Uh, yeah. I think or is it monster sauce? Is that what it's called? Right. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. monster sauce. I have two two flavors. It was uh, the red one then. Yep. Rogue red chili, and then I have a swamp sensation as the green one. But Ooh, uh, I didn't try the swamp sensation because I'm like I was hesitant to try because I don't like hot sauce really. But right. I was like, well, I'm here. We're at Legends and Lore. I'll try it. Tried it? Great. <laughs> I really liked it. He literally told everybody about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I uh, they, they've been carrying the sauce for, I don't know, a year or something and moved through a lot of bottles. It, it's great. And uh, people just love it. You know, and that, that original flavor, I didn't want to make. It's not a gimmicky hot sauce where it's trying, oh, it's so hot. No. Yeah. Use two drops. And, you know, it's just something that that's, you can eat and enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, and as I'm added flavors i get hotter but um 
Yeah, it's a fun song because I didn't have them at the two events I saw you guys at. I didn't have them on the table because I flew up there. Mm. And when you fly, I can't. It's harder to right, right. bring them. So unless I ship them ahead of time, you're talking glass bottles. So usually I'll have them at events where if I'm driving, mm-hmm. you know, I have cases. Um, but, you know, places like Legends and Lore and there's other Georgia Bigfoot Museum and all other places that will carry it as well. Oh, yeah, man. Jay was Jay had to tell you about it. He was all excited. And I don't want you to forget. I I did forget. I'm I so know. glad you brought that up. Maybe if I ever turn the bowling alley into a cryptid themed bowling alley, we'll carry some. <laughs> there you go. Monster you sauce. Go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and you've done plenty of events this year. Do you have any more events left this year you're going to be at? Uh the only well there's two two left. Um speaking in a at a library in Leesville, Louisiana, um, on November the 14th. So that's, that's coming up just sort of my own, you know, occasionally these libraries will have authors come in and talk or whatever. And then I'm doing the Texas Bigfoot Film Festival, uh, December the 10th in Texas, which is kind of a new event. This, this is the second year, uh, of just, you know, cause there's so many cool, crazy horror Bigfoot films or whatever, just Mm -hmm. Bigfoot films. So my uh, buddy Craig Woolheater has organized a just a little fun deal where people can come and watch these kind of movies, and I'll usually I present like one of them, you know, just kind of right. give you the setup, and so that's a really fun event. So this is the second year. And do you have links for all those on your pages? Yeah, yeah, I'll make sure the they'll, list. they'll be in the link. I'll I, I link everything below in the in the show notes. So if anybody wants to yeah. a, attend one of those, I'll have the info in the show notes below. Uh, but when we were talking at the uh, South Virginia Bigfoot and Friends, uh, we kind of did the hangout session and stuff. Uh, but at the event, we actually talked about Mokeli and Bembe. And we had a really fun talk. And I know we already did it, but we'd like to do it again if you're okay with that. Sure, sure. I love that one. So, yeah. And you have a lot of interesting like thoughts, and you were going to go on an expedition. But, yeah. So what really drew you to Mokeli and Bembe? Well, I remember when I first heard about this and just just sort of that concept that there is a living dinosaur. And I mean, you know, a huge uh, sauropod, you know, type brontosaurus, if you will, um, that, that would be living, you know, among us on Earth today just really is one of those things that, you know, the, the kid in me that loved dinosaurs and the... the you know, the researcher in me that's, that looks for possibilities of unknown creatures. It was just kind of a romantic sort of like, wow, you know, this is an Indiana Jones type thing. Um, so I just, I just remember hearing about that and just the whole thing fascinated me. So, you know, I went out and sought whatever books or any information I could find on that, uh, early on, you know. And then you, you talked to you were th- like that was kind of the the thought or the dream of going on an expedition and how that kind of changed right you know the, you know early on you know it's like okay you know what what kind of things can i pursue and what you know what kind of you know would i write a book and and you know do research or whatever and that was always kind of there it's like wow if i could go over there and i do have you know, a couple of colleagues and friends that have been over there, um, several guys that have been over there in years past, or in one case went uh, went there with a TV production crew. But the challenge of that is not so much that uh, it's already challenging to go into an environment like the Congo. You know, you've got to get all the shots. You've got to watch out for all sorts of dangerous animals you would not be used to in North America, but also just the politics of getting over there because you're talking about a government that is <laughs> barely plays by the rules. You know, you got to pay off people. Uh, you know, there's basically guerrilla groups, you know, dudes stand around in machine guns. Uh, the cars don't work well. You know, nobody, apparently no one goes to driving school because they drive like a maniac. <laughs> the food, all of that stuff, you know, so the more I talk to other guys, and of course the more the years have gone by, it's just even more difficult to get in there um, just to even research that. 
And certainly if you have a television crew, you know, they have teams of people and they have, it can facilitate that and they've got a budget. But when you're trying to do it your own self and, you know, I mean, how many books, if you write a book or if you do a documentary, how much will you recoup anyway? Mm. Um, so it would just be a labor of love. But I think, you know, eventually I was just like, you know, I don't know if it's worth the risk. Well, I'm, and, and, and even the probability that there is something in there, I'm not 100% even sure uh, at this point that there is something like that or if it's just, you know, Native American led, I mean, Native native legends you know mm -hmm. uh or what have you so so i never made that happen um although early on i was thinking man this is the way to do it and that's sort of the reality of there, there's no uh you know nameless faceless millionaire that's giving all of us some money to go to go right to go do this and then the reality of economics and and time and what is the risk so I never, never got there, but who knows? You know, you never know. Our favorite quote from you is, cryptozoologist, that means poor. Yeah. <laughs> right. we, we've said it a couple times in the show now because it just, it fits. So, you know, nobody's doing any of this to become, you know, extremely wealthy. Yeah. Uh, Getting I think, stuck up by the Congo gorilla groups. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, and I told you the story yeah. of the, I knew a herpet, and I didn't know him, but I know of a herpetologist, so a reptile guy that went to the Congo and they just had to keep handing money to people so they wouldn't yeah. disappear. And that's what the, he, he had done it before, but the guys we were with had never done it. And literally they would just hand people. He's like, he just keeps handing people money and nobody ever talked to us. He's like, cause you, if you don't hand them money, they will get money yeah. from you. So right. if you just hand them money and keep walking, they got what they wanted and you're going to go past, but don't run out of money. <laughs> uh, but he actually discovered a species of false water Cobra that was more venomous than the cobra it was mimicking. And it was just huh. like everything in the Congo, people, animals, bugs, want you dead. <laughs> yeah, basically. The Congo is such a scary place. It's not the Amazon. You know, we talked about that. The Amazon now is much easier to research. You know, there's, there's big complexes. There literally is chartering fisheries there in the middle of the Amazon for, you know, people from America and Europe to go and fish. Uh, they don't have that in the Congo for some reason. <laughs> I wonder why. For some uh, reason. Yeah. But no, Mo Killian yeah, Bebe, if she's real, she will stay hidden due to just... I, uh, yeah. I think she's got the best insurance there against being found. <laughs> That's people in the way. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, if I was... I don't know. You, you know, I've got a daughter and stuff, so it's like you got to weigh all the reality with like, you know, daddy disappeared <laughs> into the... <laughs> In the Congo looking for a, a what? A dinosaur, you know? <laughs> uh, so, you know, your life circumstances can be different. You know, if I was just sort of, um, yeah, if I had, if I was independently wealthy and I felt like it was safe enough, th then it'd be a different deal. But, you know, and also just over time, I always saw myself as, you know, sort of the Southern guy, like, you know, the, most of the books I've written have been in, in the South. And then it just got to be sort of like, I'm the guy that goes in swamps and uh, Southern woods, you know, I got the cowboy hat and that there's so much stuff to already to, to deal with already here, mm -hmm. skunk apes and river, river monsters and up, upright crocodiles and whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, do I really need to go to the Congo? It's like, that sounds like a pain in the ass. I'll just right. you know, it go sounds, down the Brazos River. Yeah, it sounds like an expensive, horrible way to kill yourself. Right. Exactly. I mean, it would make a good book, but not one I could write. You know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> when they get your letters you were writing, you know, somebody else gets to write that nice book, as you know, you're being eaten by a local tribe or Mokali and Bembe yourself. Right. Yeah. yeah the Congo is just a, such a scary place. There's and like you said, the South. It's just full of cryptids. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. it's like, well, it's, we always make fun of West Virginia because we do so many weird one-off cryptids. Because in West Virginia, ninety percent of them are in West Virginia. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. I don't know what's in the water there, but it makes monsters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, there you got those mist-covered mountain regions and heavy forests. It's like you just roll up in there and the, driving in, you're just like, dude. 
you know, what's out there just immediately uh, gives you that feel. And those are places, yeah, where you can, you could spend a lot of time just in that one area documenting all sorts of cool and crazy cases. And, you know, and that's kind of the way it's been for me. It's just, you know, if people say, well, you know, how, are you going to write a, a book on Bigfoot or something? Well, I don't know. There's a lot of good books on Bigfoot in general. Um, but no one had ever written a, a book about the famous legend of Boggy Creek Falk monster. There's no book on that. And that was a, you know, that had been made into a giant movie. So I'm like, well, there's one to start. There's no book on the, the famous Bishopville lizard man, which I was like, dude, it's like creature from the black lagoon. I'm on it. Um, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And just covering swamps as a, you know, the as a geographical location where so many cryptids have been reported. So there's always something where it's like, well, there's already holes that I think people haven't written books or done that research that I can feel that I don't need to repeat, mm-hmm. you know, something like, well, here's another just Bigfoot and just let's recount the same stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because there's, like you're saying, there's tons of the basic Bigfoot books, you know, the overall arcing, here's Bigfoot, here's what it does. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, there's so many. I mean, I personally own, I own a lot of them too, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we talk about this stuff all the time, but that is amazing. Do you have any personal encounters you've had that you could share with us? Um, you know, I, I've never had just a hundred percent sighting of what I would say is absolutely encrypted, but um, I have had some strange experiences and what I believe could be a sighting. Um, And this was um, in May of 2021 when I was in the Boggy Creek area and I was up there um, to, to do some research and to visit. There's a place called Monster Mart, which is like the coolest sort of convenience store museum area um, you know, they carry my books and stuff. So I love to hang out there and just, you know, you'll meet people coming in and out. Uh, so I was up there and, uh, we were going to, um, interview a woman who had sent me some, um, really good howls record that she had recorded in an area kind of South of Falk in, in, in what I consider the best heavily wooded areas down by this area called Doddridge. And, uh, so, you know, we'd been in the Monster Mart and we were heading down there. So we dropped by an area where there's this sort of a uh, sort of remote hidden boat ramp into Mercer Bayou, which is an, another part of the Sulphur River Bottoms where that's, I mean, it's really just that classic bayou or cypress trees and Spanish moss. And we've camped and canoed in that bayou many, many times. And so we just went down there to give it a look and... Uh, I was there with my good friend and colleague, Jerry Hestand, who, you know, has been doing this for years, and my girlfriend, Ashley. And and so we were looking at a couple of trees, big, tall, cypress tr- trees that you see in one of the episodes of Monster Quest that Jerry was on. I'm like, yeah, look at how those trees have changed. And I was looking at about maybe 60 yards away or 70 yards. I saw sort of some movement in the trees, which caught my eye. And I was trying to figure out if it was just the way the leaves were kind of moving with the light breeze, you know, or whether I saw something over there. And where I was standing was the end of the boat ramp. There is this bayou channel that's, uh, you know, about uh, 25 feet across, deep, full of alligators. You can't, you know, you can't walk across it. And on the other side is part of the Sulphur River Bottoms Wildlife Management Area. This is not private land. There's no people over there. There's no roads. There's no four-wheeler roads. There's no, no nothing. And, uh, so I see that sort of shadow and I see it again. And I'm thinking, now I think it's a trees right after that, about 15 yards further back. I see something move in a diagonal manner right across a clearing between, you know, the trees and shadows. And, you know, I just kind of froze and, the strange thing about that was is it it was very red in color like quite red um orangutan red ish mm. orange red if you will and i'm thinking you know and i couldn't see enough of it to say 
and it wasn't like bobbing or walking, and it was just a big something that moved. I couldn't see the lower portion of whatever it was. I couldn't see legs, but whatever it was was very big, enough for me to see it, and absolutely distinct, like I said, because, uh, you know, it stood out from, from the woods. There was no doubt that there was something moving. And so here here's the, the catch, you know, you're just like, you're like, is this, um, you know, am I looking at a, at the Falk monster? I mean, this, this is the place. Well, when we, when we had been up at the monster mart earlier, a guy was in there, he was a local and he was telling us that he had seen the creature run across the road in clear view in an area where, you know, I was familiar with and Sorry, something's moving in my house. This is getting really spooky. <laughs> I just moved into a house that's haunted, so that's another story. But <laughs> oh, so I see this. So I'm at the Monster Mart, and the guy said I saw this. You know the, what I I knew to be the Fat Monster, and he said to me it looked red like an orangutan. Wow, and so not. Not even 30 minutes later, we're down there. I see something reddish walk across there. Um, and, and that's all. And we couldn't go over there because, like I said, we're separated by that water. And we didn't have a boat. So, you know, we just sort of had to go interview the woman. But we did come back later um, and go across there. And I tried to sort of play out that, you know, reenactment, try to see, the, you know, the distance and how big the thing was. And... Uh, there's no, again, there's no roads. There's, you know, there's just nothing over there. And uh, so I was pretty sure it wasn't a person and it wasn't a, I mean, what else could it be? It wasn't a car. I mean, there's no noise. Uh, what is red? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, that was my possible sighting. And other people over the years have said they, the thing had reddish hues to it. You know, they say black, brown, whatever. Um, and many of them have said it's reddish, so. Could be. That's awesome. Right. And so That's, recent, too. Yeah. Have you ever heard people talk about maybe like the double coat with the Sasquatch? Uh, where they're so basically, red is the really common one when they're like out in the sun, it seems. But uh, there was one story, I can't remember who told us, but where they had seen it and it was walking through a field and it was bright red. But then the second it got into the shadows, it stood still and looked like it was melting. But what it was doing is it was probably raising the top coat of fur to reveal a much darker coat below. So we have animals that do that today where they have double to help blend in faster. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is once it got in there, it may be revealing a dark, you know, a brown or a black. So it would blend into the shadows of the woods. Right. No, I, I, no, I can't say I've heard anybody say that in terms of Bigfoot other than, other than, you know, sort of like the way the fur is designed in such a way that it, it, it's not just one solid tone. It's, you know, if it moves certain ways or if, mm-hmm. uh, in certain seasons, you know, it would thin out to where you get those different um, hues or, you know, things that help them blend in, you know. That's awesome. So you live in a haunted house now. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. Yeah, I'm still trying to assess that. Now, I have, had, <laughs> I have actually seen a ghost. When I was in high school... Uh, my friend lived in a house and he sort of nonchalantly had told how he'd seen a ghost. His parents had seen it, even some of my friends. And I was kind of end of all that stuff, you know, back early on. I love ghosts and UFOs and all of it. You know, I just read books and watched documentaries. Um, and one night I was just sitting there waiting for him to get ready so we could go out doing whatever we were going to do, go to a punk show or whatever. And um, I literally just saw this figure go across this hallway and it looked like you know like what you would think is a ghost a whitish outline of like a uh, look like a boy or whatever and i was like dude tim i just saw the ghost and he like i said he was like yeah that's where it is you know just like yeah, it's nothing nothing yeah and i'm freaking out you know um but but anyway fast forward recently uh i moved into a new house a couple months ago that's why my wall is white. Well, you, 
the, the listener can't see that, but I'm nothing hardly in here. Uh, but the former owner is deceased and, and, uh, you know, I'm not like, oh, well that's automatically haunted, but there's mm-hmm. been some really bizarre, like I've seen sort of things out of the corner of my eye. I've heard a few things and noises that, you know, and I'm pretty skeptical about that. You know, I want it to be haunted, but I, that's not to mean I'm going to buy into everything. But right. there's been a few weird, really weird stuff. And the power will, on certain stuff, will cut off. But not all the house goes, it's not like the power cuts off to the house. It'll be like certain stuff, like like the television set will just turn off and then turn back on. And this is the same TV set that I had at my other house for 15 years. It never once did that. Hmm. So I'm still assessing the situation. Yeah. Here. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. I've lived in a haunted house myself. I don't live now. I, I just We just bought this house this year. And I personally have known everybody that's died in it. So uh, it's been my, in my, gen, my family for four generations now. Uh, so that's why I like it. Because I know nobody's haunting it. Or at least no, nobody's purposely haunting it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and if they are, they're family members. Right. So you're safe. You know, this isn't like, I didn't know the former owner. So I don't know. And there's a whole other story. Like, because I found out that the, this individual lived here. Uh, had come come into a lot of money that was not really on the up and up, and some guys at my gym knew who this guy was, and they thought he faked his own death, and it disappeared, and turn, and we're still trying to verify all this. And I mm. found all kinds of weird stuff run up into the attic, like uh, HDMI cables that what do you run HD? No, I mean that. They terminated into something. The equipment had been removed. There mm-hmm. was um, extension cords, like the green kind of ones you would use for Christmas. They run all up through into the walls, plugged in here, but then run up into the attic. Uh, just some, it's like, what is this? Bizarre. Is not, I'm still just trying to make sense of what what was up there. What was this guy up to? <laughs> that, 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 that's weird. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. Right, yeah. That's like, yeah, surveillance equipment maybe, but shady. Whatever it is, is shady. Yeah. yeah, yeah, some shady business, something not normal. Oh, and there was firewood in the attic, which I was like, why? Who puts wood like you know could have ants or anything else. Who puts this in their attic and why? But it was up there. <laughs> firewood in the attic with HDMI cables and extension cords. Yep, he is was an interesting resident. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, that's weird. This is interesting so, stuff, though. I know. Oh, yeah, that's definitely interesting <laughs> stuff. I don't know. So, so maybe next time we do an interview, you know, six months or whatever, the, the next time I'm, I may have a little bit more of a picture or some, some oh, things yeah. I can cite. Because I'm, you know, and of course, one, I just got in here and then I started doing those events. So I just sort of got moved and then, boom, I had just events in the, in the uh, September, October. So now I'm kind of settling in and I'm, you know, starting to assess the <laughs> that's, that's awesome. We're gonna have to follow up with you on. Oh this yeah, then. we definitely will. <laughs> and we want. Uh, it's been about an hour. We do greatly appreciate your time and your mm-hmm. stories you've shared with us and your knowledge. Uh, I just want to say thank you. You know, it's a, this is a really big honor for us to have you on. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I grew up seeing you on TV, The Beast of Augie Creek, all that stuff, Monster Quest. You know, it's mm-hmm. just amazing stuff. So thank you. Uh, and if you would, please promote yourself. And I'll put all the links below in the description so people can find everything. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always fun to have these conversations. So uh hope to run across you in the, in the wild soon. Oh, it sounds good. Oh, yeah. All right. But we do have a tradition before you go uh, where we basically we yell bye to end the episode. So we just have our guests yell the word bye with us. And it would just count down, and that's how we do it. So three, two, one, bye. You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show and we really appreciate it. 
Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.